If you want to know what happened, we can tell you. We were here that night. We're always here. We are murky and move slowly. We cannot speak, but we can listen. We only babble gently, creating what some would call white noise. White, indeed. This makes our banks seem like a safe place for secrets to be stored. People think that their secrets will land safely in static, and then be whisked away by a gentle current, never to be seen again. Then the river will have them, and the river is vast. Our banks are forgiving, but the river is not. The truth is that I am a secret, which is why I will always be a girl. When I was 13, I was brought down to the banks of the creek by friends who told me that it was a special place. A place where we could say whatever we wanted and no one would hear. A place just for us, tucked away in the arms of Mother Nature. I went down to the creek bed, and the girls told me we were all going to swim naked in the shallows. They instructed me to undress behind a tree and said that they would do the same. But when I emerged, naked and painfully aware of my skinny, childlike body, they were standing in front of me, fully clothed, and they weren't alone. There were others and the flash of cameras, so I ran. I ran as fast as I could, and they ran after me, laughing. I looked over my shoulder only once. The trees that make their homes near the water don't dig their roots into the ground. They reach outward. They don't mean to be a tripping hazard. They're just looking for a place to be. Somewhere they won't drown. Aren't we all? My foot hit one of these roots. I caught my toe under a loop and then hit the ground hard. My head hit a rock and I was immediately unconscious. My so-called friends and the people they had gathered to witness my humiliation gathered around in a semicircle. The open edge was the bank of the creek. They thought I was dead. Panicked, they dragged my body to the creek and lowered me in. They weighed me down with dozens of rocks and washed their hands in the brackish water. Of course, I didn't know any of this. I was out cold. The others told me later. My friends stood there on the bank of the creek, agreeing to never speak of this again. And I opened my eyes slowly and with great effort. Above me was light, blurry, and ever-moving. My body was heavy, and I felt the desperate need to cough. I took a great breath, not realizing where I was, and filled my lungs with water. With no way to get up and no air to breathe, I quickly drowned. If you had been standing on the outside, all you would have seen were bubbles. And that is when I met the others. So many secrets. No way to tell. No one ever found me, and so I, like the others, am the creek now. 
When you stand on our banks thinking you are alone, we're there. We're watching, waiting, knowing that you can't see us, but that a little part of you thought that it saw our eyes blinking in a moss-covered shadow, and that part of you is scared. Do you want to know a secret? Come closer. 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 Close enough to see the bottom. We'll tell you everything. But first, you must be a secret too. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. We are discussing the very complex and frustratingly yet unsolved case of the disappearance and murder of Alonzo Brooks. Yes, we can say murder now. We couldn't when it first happened, but we can now. And I have to say, this this one feels very, very solvable to me. Okay. Like sometimes we have cold cases that we do or, or unsolved cases, I should say, where we're like, wow, man, how could you tell? That really is mysterious. Mm -hmm. But this one, I look at and go like, I feel like this could be taken care of. Right. I don't understand why it isn't. This is like kind of like when you look at the John Bonet case and you're like, but you're covered in evidence. Why don't you know anything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of one of those. You guys are going to be frustrated if you're anything like us. I can't wait. I know. How fun, (laughs) right? It's just crazy that they don't know what happened to him. There were so many people there. Anyway, we'll we'll explain momentarily. There's a missing link. Mm. But before we dive in, don't forget that without kindness and compliments, we shrivel up like the Halloween pumpkins that are still on the side of your house. Oh, yeah. Admit it, they're there. Mm-hmm. I, I have too. a lot. See? <laughs> My neighbor has them. They're all there. Mm-hmm. We've tried all the remedies and found that the only thing that cures old pumpkin face, which is pretty unfortunate, is a cooling dollop of validation here worth dying on. Ah, and lucky us, our fiends can provide us with said dollop. But how? But how, you must be asking yourself. I am. Just like that. Well, I'll tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention, attention equals support, and support equals more and better content for you. It's true. It is. (laughs) I did it. I got it right. Yeah. (laughs) But if you just can't wait for more, we would be dead in your life. Sometimes we feel impatient. Right. I can't wait. I know. It's hard to wait. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Okay. You don't have to. (gasps) But how? I know. You can support us (laughs) over on Patreon. There, for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after-show host, Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. You'll get a special gift in the mail from us, 
giveaways, merch deals, and on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. Wow. It's a lot of good stuff, right? Yeah. Like, you want to be a patron. It's good. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons, so come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. Hmm. Yeah. And if all that is a little too much for you or you want to do everything because you Mm -hmm. love us a lot, you can follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. Leave us a comment. Post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell the town coroner. We don't have one of those yet, and I feel like we should. What's their name? Hmm. Mr. Briggs. Mr. Briggs. No first name. We all just use Mr. Yeah. He's that mysterious. Mm-hmm. I like it. Then your friends <laughs> and Mr. Briggs can become fiends and we can all hang out together. He like knows some shit. He does know some shit. I want to know what he knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's hang out together. Okay. All right. Lastly, February is Black History Month, as everybody knows. So with the exception of our Valentine's Day special, we will be featuring cases of color. So please consider um, making a donation to one of the charities we highlight this month on social media, because we're also going to do a little of that. Mm -hmm. And as always, do your part whenever you can to learn more. And I think that's all that I have in the way of news this week. Leslie, do you have anything else to add before we begin? Well, if. If I were to have something to say, yes, I would say it now. Yeah, well, you would. This is the space for it. But I don't, so. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that we know that this is where it goes if you do. <laughs> I will remember that for okay. next time. Good, yeah. Well, all mm-hmm. right then. Okay. On with the show. On April 3rd, 2004, 23-year-old Alonzo Brooks left his home in Gardner, Kansas with three friends to attend a party. He explained to his mother that the party was at a house that was about an hour's drive away and that he would be with friends before saying goodbye, hopping into a friend's car and heading off. This was the last time Alonzo's mother would ever see him alive. Oh, boy. Yeah. Police investigated the case, searched the area, questioned friends, but ultimately found nothing. Then, a month later, Alonzo's own family was allowed to search the property where the party he had attended on that fateful night was held. And this property is a farmhouse in rural Lacine, Kansas. It is not spelled Lacine, but that is how everybody who lives there pronounces it. And if I have learned anything, it is that towns are pronounced the way the locals pronounce them, Mm -hmm. and logic does not play a part. How is it spelled? I think it's spelled L-A, like Lacine. Oh, okay. Or it's French, so I would also think it was like Lysine. Okay. It means swan. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe, I don't know, is it L-E? I just know that when I listened to them talk and they were like, Lysine. Yeah, it's L-A. So to me, it looks like it's Lysine. But no, Mm. Lysine, that's how they say it. Anyway, the party was held in Lysine at a farmhouse in a rural part of Kansas. And a mere 30 minutes into the family's search... Alonzo's aunt and uncle discovered his body in a creek bed, very visibly out in the open, just 200 meters from where he was last seen. Like it had just, like, been there to be Like it had been there, yeah, the whole time, but very clearly, like, police had looked and it wasn't. Right, okay. So what happened to Alonzo Brooks, and why could no one find him for over a month? No official explanation has yet been offered. 
But there are more than a few theories out there. A lot of them come with a healthy distrust of both local law enforcement and the people of Lacine. Many believe this was a hate crime hidden by people of influence. This week, we all might just walk away with more questions than answers, but I encourage you to ask those questions and loudly because someone should answer for this heinous crime. Mm. And um, spoiler alert, this is a two-parter. Oh boy. Yeah, so this week we're going to set you up and then next week we will talk about all of the theories and pockets of underground information that exist. So, which is quite a bit, Mm. actually. Okay, so this case might seem very familiar to a lot of our listeners, and that's because it was the topic of a recent episode of Unsolved Mysteries. While there is a lot about this case in the episode, there is also a lot that the episode leaves out. But it did renew interest in the case and managed to get it reopened. So bear that in mind when you're feeling really critical of Unsolved Mysteries. They also only get 45 minutes to cover a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they were flawless or that they covered it exactly right. I'm just saying that some things were bound to end up on the cutting room floor. Right, and at least it reopened the case. It did. It it did, in the end, serve a purpose. So Mm -hmm. no matter what they left out, they are the only reason that any any more forward motion after that occurred. Great. So if you want to watch that episode, it is episode four of the first season of the Netflix reboot, which is also, if you count all the seasons ever, season 15. And the episode is titled No Ride Home. We will provide a link in the show notes, but if you don't have Netflix, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Please remember that while this is a good jumping off point, there's a lot more to learn. So let's begin at the beginning. Alonzo Tyree Brooks was born on May 19th, 1980 to Billy Brooks Sr., which is such a fun name, Billy Brooks. Yeah, I like that. I feel like he could be like a country star or something. Like a Bobby Brown. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) And yeah, his, that's a very country star. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's his dad. And his mother's name is Maria Ramirez. And he was born in Topeka, Kansas, which is kind of urban. It's the capital of Kansas. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, diverse it's and Topeka. populated. And stuff. It's Topeka. And I should note, because in this case, this is important, that Alonzo's father is black and his mother is Mexican, which makes him two racial minorities in the town that he will be hanging out in later. Mm. Alonzo was the youngest of five, so he was the baby of his family. And also, he was the baby of the group of neighborhood kids he hung out with in Topeka while he was growing up. So he was, like, always the littlest one, like, trailing behind. Oh, so cute. I know. Guys, me too, me too. (laughs) I'm coming. Exactly. (laughs) I feel feel that. Oh, that's really cute. (laughs) My legs can only go as fast as they can. I have little legs. There's a whittle. Now, a lot of literature will have you believe that the the baby of a family is spoiled and, like, misbehaves a lot. And maybe that's true for some people. But I have also encountered that a lot of them, especially the babies of a bigger family, are, like, low-key and very adaptable. Mm -hmm. They're kids that just will go with the flow no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because as the youngest, they have experienced parents and were frequently at the mercy of a lot of different schedules. Mm -hmm. So they just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you just probably, I mean, you still do. You'll just kind of go with it. Hang That's out. always the skill. I always, my main skill is that I am adaptable. So I can see, adjust. Proof. I'm correct. <laughs> and I've noticed that in like families of four or more, usually yeah. the baby, they're like, well, the last one, he just kind of went wherever we needed to. He <laughs> would sleep in an office or on the floor. It was fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. We're also the most well-behaved because we've watched all of our older siblings just fuck up. 
Yeah, plus you have like a lot of eyes on you as opposed to just like one. It's very different. They ignore us a lot more. Well, yeah, by that point in time, experienced parents, like I said, they're not going to be rushing you to the emergency room every time you trip over something. They're just going to be like, oh, you're going to figure it out. Life's going to be fine. (laughs) Okay. All right, I will. (laughs) So anyway, that's my kind of take on the baby of the family in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And Alonzo really does seem to also fall into this category. Somebody who is very adaptable, very low-key, very agreeable, Mm -hmm. just, you know, an all-around easy-to-hang-out-with person. And probably the funniest in the family, just like me. Absolutely. They do mention Mm -hmm. he's very funny and fun to hang out with. Yeah. And everyone, I mean everyone, said he was a kind, caring, happy, likable guy. Usually, after big media coverage of a case, there are people who, like, come out of the woodwork with comments like, that guy wasn't as nice as they made him out to be. He was a dick to me one time. Or maybe that only happens to women. Maybe. No, I'm sure it also happens no, it to black does. men, for oh, sure, yeah. 100%. Either way, it does not happen here at all. There are, There is nowhere. You can scour the internet, internet as much as you want. Nobody says Alonzo is anything but great. Hmm. Okay. So I think that speaks to his character. It does, yeah. Alonzo was also an accomplished and enthusiastic athlete growing up. He did karate. Mm-hmm. so fun and played multiple sports but he was especially into football he was a football player and i don't know if you guys have ever seen a football player before but um yeah. you never I'm seen one sure. never one time mm-hmm. well let me tell you they're not little <laughs> <laughs> they're not like weak little guys yeah they're uh, they're pretty powerful presences yeah for sure so bear in mind he played football even into his adulthood, Alonzo would play games on weekends with his friends. And they would okay. always say, like, when he was playing football, he was in beast mode. He was no joke. Very good. Very tuned in. Okay. And then as soon as the game was over, he was like, okay, guys, let's, have, let's go have some iced tea and hang out and chat. Nice. <laughs> I know. He seems he's, he's very likable. Okay. Yeah. Have that sweet tea. Let's go. I know. But I wanted to just kind of take note of the fact that he was an athlete, which means he was a, an able, oh, you know, yeah. strong, strong guy. Man. Yeah. It's not like if anything happened, this is somebody that was very easy to overpower. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been. Right. And I think that that's important to keep in our minds. Okay. In his adolescence, Alonzo's parents got divorced, during which time his mother moved to Gardner and eventually remarried. Alonzo stayed on in Topeka to finish high school and remained there afterwards for a little while working for his father. So he was there after high school for probably... I want to say a year or so. There are no exact dates on this, and it really doesn't matter. I'm just providing a history. And then he decided to relocate to Gardner to live with his mother and stepfather. And in doing so, he accepted a job as a custodian with his stepfather's company, Countryside Maintenance, which I was like, what is Countryside Maintenance? It's a company that provides janitorial services to other businesses. So they're basically everybody who works there is a custodian. Okay. I think that is also an important distinction because if you don't make it, it reads like his stepfather hired him to clean up after his company. And there's nothing wrong with that job, but the statement sounds a little loaded if you don't fill it out. You know what I mean? And there's nothing there. It shouldn't. Okay. He was doing a job that everybody did. Okay. By all accounts, Alonzo was also known as something of a homebody. And this is confirmed with family, with friends. Everyone says this, so it matches up in all the sources. He was well-liked, um, but generally didn't, wasn't like a partier. He liked to play, like, games on the weekend of football or basketball with his buddies and stuff. But at night, like, he was generally just going home. Mm. 
And when he did go out on those rare occurrences, he never stayed out all night. He was not that guy either. He did not like sleeping other places. He never worried his mom. He never neglected to check in. He was very, very reliable. He seemed to really prefer to um, babysit for his nieces and nephews. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. He had a lot of nieces and nephews. And he was probably the cool uncle because he was the youngest. Yeah. Right. For sure. And he babysat a lot. And he like really enjoyed spending time. He also like loved these kids. Right. So hard. No. It also should be noted because to me this seems noteworthy that he didn't have a cell phone, which Mm. I felt kind of, I don't know how weird that was. Right. So to me, Alonzo and I are very close to the same age. We're Mm -hmm. about a year and a half apart. And I was in my early 20s in 2004. And everyone I knew had a cell phone. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I wonder. So I was a junior and having a cell phone, I did have one, but I still knew people with just pagers. Okay. Too. Well, he didn't and, have anything. Right. But even, I don't know. It. I I think it might just be like, a, is it a sign of the times? Because I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Like I'm thinking, okay, would that have been weird? His friends had them, but his mm-hmm. mother had a landline in her house. Okay. And I mean, I they don't make a deal of this at all. They just never search for a cell phone. They never find a cell phone. There is no cell phone yeah. evidence. There's no pinging. There's no text. There's no nothing. There's, that just mm-hmm. doesn't exist in this story. So I was kind of like, that's weird. That is, it It feels a little weird, but mm-hmm. also just maybe they just didn't have one. And maybe yeah. his mom didn't have yeah, one. Yeah, landline. Maybe that was good enough for him. And maybe he didn't really do much that required him to have a cell True. phone. And it really could have also just come down to if he didn't fully need one, maybe he was like, I don't, I don't feel want like. I to pay the bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, his friends had one. And interestingly, which we will get more into this a little bit in part two, you still can't find any record of like, we looked through his friend's cell phone like records. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We don't know what calls they made or what they did that night, which is strange to me. You probably should. But just moving forward, cell phones do not play a part in this case in an era when there were cell phones. And it's a little weird to me. Mm -hmm. But even the, do you remember what kind of cell phone you had? What I had in 2004? Yeah. Oh, God. Because I'm pretty sure the one that I had didn't even take, I mean, maybe it took photos. I don't even know that no, it did. No, mine definitely didn't take photos. I probably was back to like a stupid little Nokia or like a little yeah. flippy guy or something. I just feel like I barely used But I did have phone. text capabilities. I texted yeah. people. But that still, remember like that wasn't. I mean, it was never unlimited then. No, it wasn't. And you still had to like type numbers to get letters. Yeah, and, stuff. and you had like pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just something to me that that felt like it might be relevant, but it's just not a part of it at right, all. Right. Which is interesting. Just interesting. Not that I'm right or wrong, just something I think about and maybe our listeners do too, and maybe they have some light to shed. Who knows? Right. I, I wonder if in a different area they may have looked at cell phones, but maybe like they just weren't used to looking through cell phones as like a source. Maybe. I don't know possible or they were or it's an oversight or yeah it's a it's an oversight by the police that wasn't oh we just didn't think about it it wasn't super accidental yeah you never know so as i said his mom has a landline his friends have cell phones but alonzo doesn't have one himself so we're about to jump into what it might be like to be at a house party in 2004 we've already established that you're probably not scrolling through tiktoks and sharing memes because we were before then Mm -hmm. but 
let's let's talk a little bit about what it might have been like. Like, what's the atmosphere at a house party back then? What are we doing? What's life like 2004? Oh, man. Well, I had a lot of gel in my hair. I was scrunching it up. <laughs> cool. I was definitely wearing, um, like, jean skirts and a tank top, like a like a pink tank top, maybe a white tank top underneath. Little double to, like, tank top action. double tank top action. The skirts were so short, too. Yeah. I couldn't even sit in some of mine. Oh, my gosh. No. Because you, you weren't going to sit. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Or bend or anything. Yeah. You were just standing. Yeah. Um, mean Girls was the movie that year. Okay. So that reflects was, some of this. That fashion. reflects a lot. The song Lean Back was popular. Uh, that was like number right. one. Lean Back. Um, there is a lot of Kanye West coming out. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson had that breakaway song. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Nelly was was hot. Cool. Yep. But basically, if you're at a house party, you're like playing flip cup or like games. This was like the golden era of drinking games in my, what I remember. Am yeah. I right here? Like, yeah, because sure. nobody had phones, nobody was like, you know, bouncing around just looking at stuff on their phones. You were doing stuff at a party. Oh, yeah. I mean, my friends and I would play Risk sometimes. You are <laughs> dangerous. Risk. Get out of here. Get out of here. Um, no, but a lot of, a lot of. Yeah, beer pong, flip cup. Exactly. You're do you're engaged. War. Parties are are very much engaged and they're not like yes. sitting down doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I felt like that was kind of a, a important distinction to make. And I also should say before moving forward that Alonzo was very good looking. Okay. He's a good looking dude. And um that does matter in this case. So I'm saying it for a reason, not to just be objectifying. All right, well, let's get into a timeline before we explore the setting a little more, since in this case, the setting is a major player and not just a backdrop. If you are here because of Unsolved Mysteries, and I imagine that a great percentage of our listeners have either watched it, or if they haven't watched it, they're not going to get the reference point. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of the timeline that they give us, just so we're all on the same page. It's very quick. And this is going to be minus the details. This is just for comparison. So this is from Unsolved Mysteries. On the evening of April 3rd, 2004, Alonzo's friends, they all call him Zoe, Justin Sprague, Daniel Thune, and Tyler Brockard. I did not look at how to pronounce this. B-R-O-U-G-H-A-R-D. Brockard? Yeah. 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 That guy. (laughs) They all met at Alonzo's house because they intended to go to a party together. And the boys all say that they don't know where they heard about it from. People were just talking about it, and they decided to go. Um, The boys say, you know, this information is just kind of floating around amongst the people they talk to. So they're at Alonzo's. Tyler and Daniel decide to leave in one car, and Alonzo and Justin leave in another car. Not Alonzo's car. It's Justin's car. They get to the party, which is about an hour. They say it's an hour, over an hour's drive away. And they're there for about an hour and a half, during which time Alonzo has an altercation with another man over some racist comments the man has made to him. But other than that, everyone is having a good time. They're playing games. Like I said, there's a lot of like people spread out playing beer pong, playing flip cup, and doing shots and stuff. It's just like a pretty lively party. And they say Alonzo is having a good time. 90 minutes into this experience, Tyler and Daniel decide to say goodbye after there's like that kind of weird little racist dust up. They're like, "Mm, we're going to go. They say goodbye to Justin and Alonzo and they're out. A few minutes later, Justin decides that he he looks and sees that he doesn't have any cigarettes left. Alonzo doesn't have any cigarettes left either. So Justin says he'll go out and get some. 
for both of them, basically. And he leaves Alonzo there by himself at the party without any of his friends or a ride. At the end of the driveway, Justin takes the wrong turn and drives for about a half an hour down like an unlit gravel road before getting stuck in the gravel. He then calls, this is how I know Justin has a cell phone, because from the road, he then calls his friend Adam, who is at this party. Adam's like another random guy from their town that ended up also being there. Okay. So he calls this guy Adam and says, I got lost. I, my car is stuck. I got to pull my car out. I might have to fix parts of my car. I don't know. I'm not going to make it back to the party. Will you bring Alonzo home? And in the background, Justin says in his interviews that he can hear Alonzo like giving him shit. He's like, ah, what happened? You can't find your way somewhere. Car broke. You know. (laughs) So that exchange is made. And this guy says, okay, fine. I'll take him home. Justin says, all right, gets his car out and goes home. Then no one ever sees Alonzo alive again. All right, we're going to pause their timeline right here. And it'll weave back in as we move forward. But you need to know that before we get in. Let's expand that. Okay. In copious interviews with other publications, statements from the family and anonymous comments from other partygoers, we know that this is not exactly how things went. On April 3rd, 2004, so that's the day in question, in the afternoon, Alonzo tells his mother that he and his friends are going out to Lacine to attend a party that is being thrown for a guy they all know who is going into the military. Mm. So he says, this is like this guy's last hurrah. And they're going out in the country somewhere to a party. And his mom's like, kind of taken aback by it. She's like, that's weird. That's not something you usually do. But okay, have fun, I guess. Um, and he mentions the guys that are he's going to be going with. And she doesn't know who they are. She's like, who are they? All right. Okay. So it's a party at a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Apparently, this house is, was being rented by four guys who were from Gardner, which is where Alonzo lives. So that could be how they heard about the party because mm-hmm. they're from his town, but they're out there. We don't know their names. We still don't know these people's names. We don't know who rented this house. And it, that and there's that's nuts given what happens later. Wait, that's so weird. The yep. police don't even know? They haven't released them. We don't okay, know Okay, names. They do. Okay. I think. But they, they're not mentioned at all anywhere. Neither is the owner of the house. Hmm. I mean, it's weird if you ask me, but nobody ever asks me, so whatever. <laughs> we always ask you. <laughs> you ask me. Thank you for that. <laughs> then the boys, Justin, Daniel, and Tyler, come to Alonzo's house that afternoon. Not at night just to pick them up. They come over in the afternoon and they day drink for like hours. Hmm. Like probably pre-gaming for this party, which again was a young adult in 2004 thing. Yeah. You drink yeah. before you go out to drink. I'm just going to have two my cards. <laughs> so, and there is talk that um, it is during this like hangout at Alonzo's house that they decide to go to this party. They're like, hey, there's another party later. Let's go. Let's go. And Alonzo's like, yeah, all right. It's still, to this day, totally unclear and unexplored how these boys found out about this party, mm. which is also a little weird to me. Like, wh- why don't, why can't we trace who told them about it? Right. Why can't we trace, like, the chain of custody on, like, the information about this party? But we can't. Mm. We just know that eventually they hear about it and they decide to go. Uh, we do know that a small group of people from Gardner, like nine or so other people from their town, were going. So I'm inclined to believe that there could have been a little buzz about it that they caught. But to restate, going out like this was totally out of character for Alonzo, and everybody involved will confirm this. So later in the evening, if we stitch timelines together and do a little math, we can deduce that at about 9 o'clock, the boys leave for Lacine. Lacine, sorry. Alonzo also has been in touch with another friend who is going to this party that he plans to meet up with when they get there. 
This friend has chosen to remain nameless. They are anonymous everywhere, but it is made known that this friend knew Alonzo's family, still knows Alonzo's family. This friend is a known entity as opposed to the other boys. But he was not Alonzo's ride. He's just met up with him there. Alonzo was recorded that night as wearing a pair of blue jeans, a t-shirt, a maroon short sleeve button down shirt, two pairs of socks, boots, and a black beanie. For whatever reason, he always wore two pairs of socks. And Justin makes a point of saying this like numerous Hmm. times. I don't know why that's a thing. Maybe his boots were uncomfortable and he needed the padding. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I mean, it was the time to layer. Uh, Yeah, you know, layers were were a thing. thing. Oh, hey. (laughs) It's also recorded that the previous week, Alonzo had injured his ankle playing football Mm -hmm. and was walking kind of like limpy and slower. Okay. So like his ankle was bothering him. And Justin also makes note of the fact that he ties up his boot kind of tight. Like a, like a cast. Yeah, kind of like for support. Mm-hmm. So um, he didn't like go to the hospital or anything. Right. It just, it yeah. just hurt. And, and he went on with his life. And here is where I'm going to first drop a little bomb. Contrary to the way they are mostly presented in the media, Justin, Daniel, and Tyler were not that close to Alonzo. So in the episode of, of Unsolved Mysteries, they are projected as like his tight-knit group of friends, his like best buddies that he's always around. But they weren't. That's mm-hmm. not the relationship these guys had with him. Alonzo's family had no idea who they were. Hmm. In fact, there are comments, and we're going to get real heavy into this comment section because it is intense. And it is on the Kansas Cold Case blog, which is uh, mostly locals talking about this case. And the comment is from Alonzo's aunt. Well, a commenter who says she's his aunt, but then she says a lot of things that kind of lead me to believe that this is true. Okay. She, you know, she says, I run this page and you can contact me here and you can email this. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's probably her. <laughs> but anyway, a lot of comments from that feed have also been removed. So those who have remained, it leads me to believe that they've been fact-checked. Mm-hmm. And if it was like, I'm his aunt, and they found out it wasn't, they wouldn't have left it there. Right. Anywho, in these comments... First, Justin himself appears saying, I am Alonzo's friend who drove him there and I can't believe this happened. It was really awful. We sh- I-, I hope that this case gets solved. And then Alonzo's aunt steps in and she says that no one in the family even recognized Justin at Alonzo's memorial service. And furthermore, if she had recognized him, he would not have left standing. I'll read you the whole comment in the second part. I don't want to give away too much just yet, but it is, it is angry, mm-hmm. real angry. And it's important to note that there is contention about the quality of these friendships and not just from Alonzo's family. His best friend, Rodney English, who was a friend like since childhood, this is like his best friend, who we will hear more from later, says the same thing. He's like, who are these guys? I don't, I've never heard about them before. And I, this is my Mm. best friend. Now I get that like your groups of friends don't always intersect, but wouldn't your best friend at least know who they were? Mm -hmm. It's a little weird. So it's almost like, I don't know, like they are friends that maybe he, maybe he knew from like playing football or. That's where they like, said they knew him from. Like, we yeah. played football together. Okay. And so then, and then maybe they just invited him to like this night out. Maybe. And so that, which is weird for him to do regardless, but maybe he doesn't hang out with them. And this was just the first time they were going to. <laughs> yeah. Um. Another thing that's of note when it comes to these boys is that they are younger than him by quite a few years. They're okay. like 18, mm, and Alonzo okay. is 23. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, part of me thinks they wanted him to buy alcohol. Yeah, maybe. They wouldn't have been able to 
I mean, I'll get back to that in a little bit, but I, I think that's a possibility. I don't okay. know. Now, the portion of um, Rodney's interview with Unsolved Mysteries where he states that he had never even heard of these guys before was cut out of the final draft. Hmm. But in an interview with the Daily Mail, he said, quote, I don't know how they got Alonzo there. He must have been drinking. He must have passed out on the way there for him to be in a car for more than 45 minutes to go to someplace he's never heard of. Now, this should indicate just how out of character this whole thing was and how little they trust these guys. Hmm. And it's a little foreshadowing about Lacine itself. Because now, are these guys white? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, all three. I, I guess I didn't mention that. All three of these friends are white. Okay. And Rodney's not. Okay, okay. So it's like these three younger white boys are taking him out to a party in this part of Kansas that we will later discuss yeah. and that has been foreshadowed as not very friendly okay. to black people. Mm-hmm. So um, his family is a little piqued by that too. They're like, why would he go there mm-hmm. voluntarily? Like, Why right. would he do that? So moving forward, the boys state then that the drive takes over an hour. According to the internet, it takes about 51 minutes. But this is not accounting for stops or traffic or getting lost, and we don't always keep perfect time. The location, though, is backwoodsy. They were not kidding when they said Lacine was rural and that it, there was nothing out there. And I mean, there is it's not like you're going shopping or like mm-hmm. hanging out. It is just flat farmland, pockets of woods and houses. There's like a winery out there somewhere. And um, Middle Creek is pretty. And Middle Creek runs through Lacine at, at one point. And so there's like a few little spots, but not, I mean, predominantly, this is nothing. And especially where this farmhouse is, it's incredibly isolated. If you look at aerial photographs, which we'll put in the photo suite, there is nothing around for miles and miles. You could scream out there and nobody would hear you. Oh, wow. Yeah. It sits in the middle of a cleared plot, this farmhouse, which at must at one time was definitely farmland, like usable farmland, mm-hmm. but has since kind of been abandoned and left mm-hmm. to its own devices. On the property, there are pockets of trees. So like little wooded areas, but it's not all woods if that makes any sense, like just like little pockets of like wooded areas and then you're back out into like a field. Right. And across the street from the house is a semi-wooded area that contains a section of Middle Creek, which is a shallow stream that eventually connects with the Marais de Seine River. And um, so it starts as a tributary of another stream. It's little. It's like Mm -hmm. this little tiny stream. People like to go fishing in it sometimes. And then it connects with the river after going through this area where the farmhouse is. Okay. So it's important to also know that the river does not come first. It comes second. There's a bunch of just beautiful farmland out there. And everything is accessed by gravel roads, too. It's not It's not easy to traverse. Right. Man, this sounds exactly like where John would love to live. <laughs> I would hate every second of it. Yeah, you would not <laughs> love that. Be like, where are um, you taking me? But it's weird because there'd be a little pocket that's really beautiful. That's like yeah, the yeah. one of the farms that's really active. And then next to it is a pocket that's like totally abandoned and neglected. Mm-hmm. It's not like reliably anything. But a little bit more on Middle Creek later. But you should have a visual going on at this point about where they were. Oh, yeah. And there are no streetlights either. This is dark. Yeah. It's nighttime. I imagine. Nothing is lit. It is dark. Mm-hmm. So when they arrive at the party... It is documented in a few places that Alonzo shouts. He like gets out of the car and goes, who wants a beer? <laughs> That's to most people. Hype this man. Is, yeah, I know. Total hype man. And to most people, this is an education of him being like a fun guy that was like, hey, who wants a beer? Mm-hmm. But if we break it down a little more, what is also rarely mentioned is that, like I said, his friends are 18. And most of the people at the party are anywhere from 16 to 23, mm-hmm. erring on the side of younger. 
And Alonzo's 23. So he's the top of the age range there, with the exception of two um, or three super shady guys who are in like their 30s and 40s, but we'll talk about them next week. Yeah, why are they there? (laughs) Okay. So yelling that out could have made you like really popular. I'm a guy who can bring beer. A lot of you can't buy your own. Right. So that also could have been like, I'm here and I brought beer Mm -hmm. because I'm an older guy. I did it, you know. Or he is very drunk at this point. Yeah, they have been day drinking, so he could be drunk. Absolutely. Um, But Alonzo is in a minority of people who could have purchased alcohol. That's kind of what Mm -hmm. I was trying to arrive at there. And this could shed light as to why they wanted to bring him in the first place. We don't know. So that, that happens when they get there. Then according to the boys, they're like, and we got to this party, there's about 40 or so people there. But according to authorities, they would later find out it was like a hundred people. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's a big stretch. Yeah. But I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't think they were all standing in one room. Yeah. And they could have not gone throughout the whole property. People mm-hmm. could have been outside. You don't always. I'm also, I'm notorious for not really knowing the number of a large I couldn't either. I couldn't estimate it for you. So I'm not going to make too much of a deal out of that. I was in an event one time and I was just like, oh yeah, there's probably like, like a a thousand people here. It was, it was 8,000. Like that was my (gasps) estimate. I was like, it's a thousand people. 8,000 people were there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's proof. You just kind of, you can't tell really. Unless you're taking a head count, which nobody was. That's, (laughs) Neither here nor there, but it is a discrepancy in the story. That's about all. There is one other thing that made Alonzo a minority at this event, and that is that basically everyone else in attendance was white. Okay. According to a few people, Alonzo was the only black guy there. Mm -hmm. And some say there were like two other black guys there, but that's still three black guys and 97 white kids. (laughs) Right, right. That's the, the, it's, it's not a very diverse place to be. Mm-hmm. And, the and part- was that normal for like him to go to like a party like that? You know, or he didn't go to he, parties. That's so true. there's really yeah. not a lot of basis for it. I mean, he had these friends that he was hanging out with, but this was noted as like, this is a very country area mm-hmm. full of white people who like to hang out with other white people. And that mm-hmm. is it. Okay. They're described as like very cowboy adjacent Mm -hmm. and like. And the town that he was from, because he was staying with his mom at this time. So like that's a very different looking town. Yeah, Gardner, um, we'll get into the the populations of the town next week. But um, Gardner is more diverse Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Topeka is is pretty, pretty well diverse where he Mm -hmm. grew up. Right. So like a city. Exactly. So he wouldn't have been necessarily accustomed to being in a place where he was the only black dude amongst a bunch of people who did not care for black people. Yeah. And this is why it struck his friend Rodney as strange that he even went. Mm -hmm. He's like, why would he be at a place like that? Why would he put himself in that situation? It seems really weird that he did it. Okay. Um, But just from my vantage point, I don't think he had any idea it was going to be like that when he got there. Maybe, yeah. I think he's probably like, it's a party. And then he rolled mm-hmm. up and it was like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. better establish myself as like a fun guy who brought beer and everybody likes real quick. Otherwise, it might be scary for me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that's of note. And um, it is mentioned quite a bit, and we'll get it into this in more detail next week, that the people of Lacine are not very 
friendly towards non-white folks. Okay. Yeah. And they have a long and checkered past with that. So we're at the party now. For about 90 minutes, everyone is partying and drinking. They say Alonzo's playing drinking games. He's talking to people. He's having a good time. His friends make like a huge point of this in the Unsolved Mysteries. They're like, he was having fun. It was the most fun. He had the most fun. And other people were like, yeah, he was there. It's fine. Whatever, <laughs> you know. But he was talking to a lot of new people um, and like particularly girls. Okay. Right. So remember when I said he was good looking? Mm-hmm. That's still true. And add on to this fact that he is also totally different looking than everyone else there. Mm-hmm. So there's bound to be a certain population of women that are like, yes. <laughs> like, there is definitely. I no idea. I know. There's definitely going to be some girls at that party who are like, you are what I am into. Yeah. I am so excited right now. <laughs> and he was really charming and eager to talk to them. So yeah. that's also something where you're like, yes. And there are a lot of them are younger. These are like, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls, whatever. Mm -hmm. So during this 90 minutes, we know for a fact that an altercation occurs between Alonzo and some other men at the party. Everybody at the party says this happened. According to Justin and um, his other friends, some guy, some random guy at the party just started throwing racial slurs at him. Mm -hmm. Just started using the N-word and telling him they didn't want him here and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, which is par for the course with what the population of this party is hinted to be. Um, And then Alonzo and this guy kind of square off before cooling down and just kind of going their separate ways and continuing on with the party. Justin claims that stuff like that didn't bother Alonzo at all. He said he had his friends and this is just some redneck jerk at a party. He doesn't care about people yelling stuff like that. It's fine. (sighs) Is it fine? Well, it's not, but I can understand if he's like, I just, I'm not going right. to But like, this is escalate. a level of restraint that not everyone necessarily has. Mm-hmm. Maybe Alonzo was one of the people who did, but his best friend Rodney doesn't think so. Okay. According to Rodney English in his interview with the Daily Mail, quote, somebody calls Alonzo the N-word and he's ready to go or ready to fight. Alonzo was a beast. It would take a lot to put him down, but he's not staying there happily partying after that. Okay. Which is also my thought. You have an interaction with a guy who's throwing racial slurs at you. You're not like, all right, let's keep hanging out at this party. I'd be like, I need to go. Yeah. I need to get out okay. of here. All right. I, w- I, would, I would think that that would be the, the main response. Yes. For as, sure. as we know from my brief synopsis earlier, right after this, two of his friends leave and he doesn't leave oh, with right. them. Yeah. So what's the fight even about, right? Just some casual racism at a party? Maybe, but not according to everybody. Most other partygoers claim that Alonzo had hit it off with a girl at the party. Mm. And I obviously mean a white girl, as according to everyone, there were no black girls there. And frankly, thank God, because that probably would have ended badly for them. This girl was there with her cousins, apparently, allegedly, who saw her and Alonzo kind of getting friendly. Someone Mm -hmm. said they were like making out or something. And uh, her cousins did not like this at all. And so they pulled Alonzo away and started, you know, hurling racial slurs at him and telling him they didn't like him in this town and all that kind of fun horrible movie type bullshit. Then there was a brief physical altercation that was broken up by other partygoers. So like a group of guys tried to kind of like square off to him and they, that didn't go anywhere. Cause like I said before, this is like a very athletic guy. He's not going to be easy to fight with. Yeah. And before, before anybody asks, yes, there are names for these people, but nothing has been confirmed. So I can't in good conscience say them. Okay. But they're not hard to find if you're super curious. Mm -hmm. You can find out who these people were. 
After the altercation, Tyler and Daniel decide to leave and go to another party that's happening that night. So they say, we're going. They say goodbye to Alonzo and Justin, which is another major point that we need to consider. Alonzo knew they were leaving. It wasn't like they just bounced. And he said, okay, goodbye. They shook hands, they hugged, and these two guys leave. Okay. So Alonzo is left there with that guy, Eric Smith, who the one who remains anonymous, who knows the family. He's hanging out with him, and Justin is still there, who is his ride at this point. But then Eric also decides to leave. He doesn't love the vibe at this party or whatever. And he goes, he didn't come with Alonzo, so this isn't weird. He says goodbye to him and he leaves. So of the people he knows well, Alonzo only has Justin left at this point. And it's close to midnight, time-wise. A few minutes later, Justin and Alonzo both notice that they've run out of cigarettes. And Justin says that he will go on a cigarette run and he'll get Alonzo a pack too. But Alonzo does not go with him. He stays at the party. This is weird. It is weird, right? This is weird. It is weird. I don't like it either. And later we're going to find out some of this is lies. So this has to be because it's all coming from Justin. This is weird. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the reaction I had too. everyone, "Mm -hmm." all of those other people left. Yep. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Wouldn't you also like just a diversion for a minute. If this is your friend and mm-hmm. they just had a bunch of racist shit happen to them, mm-hmm. wouldn't the first thing out of your mouth be, let's go? Yes. Immediately. You'd be like, let's get the fuck out I'm of this sorry party. I brought you here. Yeah. I'm, like, ex- yes. I'm so sorry. I brought you to this party. Let's go home. Yeah. No, that was not any of their reaction. They were like, whatever. It's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. So this is alarming like this. to a lot of people. Okay. So now, essentially alone in a sea of strangers and racist bullshit, according to his first retelling of this story, because there are many, Justin leaves the party alone and then gets to the end of the driveway and turns the wrong way down the gravel road. He then, in search of cigarettes in total backcountry that he has never been to before, because they also say that when they're, dri- when they're talking about driving to Lacine, these boys say, we've never been here before. We've never seen this town before. We've never even heard of Lacine before this day. And he thinks he's just going to go out and get cigarettes, which is also hinky to me. Because why do you, do you know where to get cigarettes? Did you download or print out a map Did quest? you map quest it real quick? Yeah, exactly. No, you have a, a freaking Nokia or something. You're yeah. not looking up your, your directions. Nobody you don't is. have ways. Yeah. <laughs> At first, that didn't seem weird to me because I was like, oh, just put in your GPS and go. And then I'm like, no, no. 2004. You're not doing any of that shit. You're wandering around totally blind thinking you're going to find a convenience store in the middle of nowhere. This is, I don't like this. Yep. I don't like it so much either, but I don't, okay, we're going to keep going. Then he drives on this dark road the wrong way for a half an hour before realizing he's lost. And this is what he's saying, right? Can this be confirmed yet? Okay. It can't be confirmed anywhere. Okay. And then his car gets stuck or broken on the side of the road. I, he so many says broken it's down cars. I know. So many stuck cars. Yeah. Wild. So what he does is he calls his friend from the side of the road, this guy, Adam, that I mentioned before, who's oh, still at right, the, this right. is the okay. same guy. Okay. Because remember, I've told this a couple of times just to like set us up for what right, people Right, right. Okay. That's right. This is the same breakdown then. Yes. The, okay. Yes, it is. Okay. So he calls this guy, Adam, who's at the party. And says, you know, he hears Alonzo in the background and that Adam should take Alonzo home. Uh, And he then tells Adam that he's going to pull his car out of whatever situation it's in and go home himself. He's just had it. 
His car is kind of messed up. He's got to go. Adam says, okay, that's fine. And then that is it for Justin, according to him, for the rest of the evening. Now, did Adam go with them at all? No. He was, they just met there, right? Yeah, they just met there. So. This, I don't like this at all. I know, just wait, it gets worse. Justin knows a lot of people at this party for never being there before. Mm Mm-hmm. Now it is confirmed that Justin did leave this party to get cigarettes, but he didn't go alone. Hmm. Yeah. He had a friend with him. And according to most fellow partygoers, when he left, Justin was drunk and high. Okay. So Justin and this friend are caught on camera at a local gas station where they retrieve $200 from an ATM and then head to a local strip club. While at the strip club, they behave badly enough to get kicked out, which is caught on CCTV. These things happen. It's him and the other guy. They go to the gas station, they go to the strip club, they get kicked out. That is, you can't argue it, it happens. That doesn't sound like a rough night of a car getting stuck. Also, Justin does not tell this to the police for a while. Yeah. His story changes like eight or nine times. Every time they talk to them, he has a different story. Now, whether Justin got stuck and made that phone call also is up for debate in general. Mm -hmm. Some people speculate he didn't even, that none of that even happened. No. According to some timelines, he did get stuck. He did make that call. But then after pulling his car out, they go to the gas station and then the strip club. A lot of people also speculate that he leaves out this part of the story when talking to police because he didn't want to admit that he was drunk driving. I don't know that you can get like a retroactive DUI. They kind of have to catch you. Yeah. Either way, Justin did leave the party and there are no more reports of any of Alonzo's actions that night after that. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. So that's it for that night. The next morning at 7 a.m., Maria Ramirez, his mom, hears her landline ringing. And she goes to answer it. And it is Eric Smith, the friend the family knows. Right. And he asks her if Alonzo is home. Because I think he probably wants to make sure that he made it out of all of that shit okay. Mm-hmm. Or like kind of go over the weird night they had. Mm-hmm. It's really early to make a phone call. Um, but Maria says he should be. All right, I'll go look in his room. She goes to his room and finds his bed made and his room completely untouched. Now, his sister also makes a point of telling interviewers that Alonzo was a very neat and tidy person. His room was always clean. His bed was always made. His shirts were pressed. His pants were pressed. His everything was spotless. He was a clean dude. So it was easy to tell that he had not been in his room since mm-hmm. the previous day. Then Maria's like, okay, maybe he came home, went downstairs to watch TV and fell asleep on the couch. It's not super in character, but people do that stuff. She checks the rest of the house. He is nowhere to be found. And there is no sign of him ever entering the home that night. Then Maria, scared and angry, says like, all right, where was this party? Who was he with? Where is he? What's going Mm on? And Eric's, you know, kind of says, okay, this is where the party was. He seemed to be with these guys and they start a phone chain. They call Justin and the other guys. And then Maria also reaches out to Alonzo's family, like her brothers and sisters, his aunts and uncles and and cousins, and to his best friend, Rodney, who we hear in numerous interviews. And she asks Rodney, like, what have you heard? Did Alonzo check in with you? Did you see him? And he says, no, I haven't haven't seen him in a few days. I, I don't know where he was last night. So all that she can really gather is that Alonzo's friends left him at this party full of strangers with no ride home and that it was an hour away. And I'm sorry, what's the connect? Who is Eric Smith again? Eric Smith, I know this is really yeah. convoluted. He no, is, he's the, the only one that I just He's the friend that was he met up with at the party. Like he knew this guy was going. Mm-hmm. They met up while at the party. They hung out at the party. And okay. then this guy leaves and says goodbye to him. But okay. it's not weird that he left him there because they didn't come That's together. That's right. Okay, okay. 
So to me, that's not a red flag. I'm like, this guy just happened to be there. And then we're like, the I got to go. The fact that he like wanted to call in the morning and make sure he got home okay. Well, there was that altercation. I know, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he knew it was I weird. Know. He knew it was weird. I think so. Anyway. So. And is he, I'm sorry, is he white? Rodney? No, Eric. I don't know. Because there's okay. no pictures oh. and there's no descriptors of Eric. Okay. He's totally anonymous. That's okay. not even his real name. Oh, okay. That's all we know. Okay. So. But you said the family knows them? Because yeah, I'm okay. going to guess that he is white because a lot of places they're like, yeah, Alonzo was the only black guy there. And if he had met up with another black guy, I think yeah. that would be involved in, okay. in, in any of the coverage. Okay. So anyway, they find out that he was at this location in Lacine and his mother's like, well, we got to go out there. And Justin immediately says, I'll go out there right away and look for him. Mm-hmm. But Maria says, I don't want just him going. Yeah. So she calls Rodney and Alonzo's oldest brother and says, go meet up with this guy at this location in Lacine. And you can all search together. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay. And they tell Justin, they're all in communication at this point. They're like, we're going to meet up. We're going to look for him. All right. So they drive out there. And it should be noted at this time, he didn't call anybody for a ride. Mm-hmm. His mom didn't get a call. His brothers and sisters didn't get any calls. And he has a bunch of older brothers and sisters yeah. who he could have probably called and said, please come get me. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody with a phone there. Right. There's a hundred people there. You couldn't be like, I'm stranded. Can I use your mm-hmm. phone for one second? And somebody wouldn't have said yes. Right. And nobody. For, and for somebody that doesn't have a cell phone, like this isn't abnormal for him to right. get a phone from Or the house else, might have had a landline. Or a landline. Exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he didn't reach out to anybody. Okay. No one had heard from him. So I just want to make that clear too. And Justin also makes, gets in touch with Adam. Remember Adam's supposed to mm-hmm. take him home? And he says, well, what happened? Did, when did you drop him off? And Adam says, well, I never found him. So I left. Hmm. If he was in the background of that phone call, how did he never find him? Right. Yeah. Now, I suppose they could have been t- together at that moment and then broken apart. And then Adam couldn't find him and then left. But according to this Adam character, he assumed that Alonzo had left with somebody else or gone on to another location because he couldn't find him. I don't know how hard he looked. And he left as well. So they have absolutely no cars that left that location with Alonzo. And he couldn't just be like, hey, where's the one black guy at the party? Right. (laughs) I'll make it easy for you. He's the only black guy here. Yeah. I don't like this at all. No, but it really gets stuck in my my angry zone that like he says, oh, I heard him in the background of this phone call. And then when he's reiterating, talking to this guy the next day, the guy's like, oh, I never found him. Weird. Right. What do you mean you never found him? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So anyway, they they go out to Lacine to search, right? And while in Lacine, like first they kind of like are getting into the town and they're like walking around and they, they show his picture to people and stuff. Rodney and... Alonzo's older brother, whose name is Billy, don't feel great. The locals are not super nice. Mm. And it is made pretty clear to them that they don't like Black people in their town. Mm -hmm. So they're already uncomfortable. So they then make it out to the farmhouse and they find, which is even weirder to me, that the whole property is empty. Oh, wow. It's like no one was ever there which for hosting a party of 100 people less than a day earlier is very strange. Yeah. There's no trash. There's no, like, beer cans around. Nobody's still there sleeping it off. Nobody left their car there because they couldn't drive home. Nothing. 
Hmm. And they're like, all right, this feels weird and scary, but they keep looking. And Rodney decides to go to the end of the driveway and cross the street to see what's happening over over there. And that's towards the creek. And he wants to see if maybe Alonzo kind of like slept it off in the woods because Mm -hmm. this is a would be a weird thing to do. But maybe after not being able. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe after not being able to find a ride home, he figured it would do better, like trying to make his way home in the morning. And he didn't want to sleep in a place full of people who like had been hurling racial insults at him earlier. It's possible. Yeah. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So, okay, fine. Rodney heads into the woods. And he finds, as soon as he crosses the street, before it's wooded at all, in the grass by the road, he finds one of Alonzo's boots and Alonzo's hat that he had on that night. Oh, okay. Then he keeps walking, thinking the rest of him has to be around here somewhere. And he travels down the creek bed where he finds Alonzo's other boot and nothing else. That's it. Just boots in his hat. Wow. Yeah. So at this point, a man on a four-wheeler approaches the men searching and tells them they have to leave. I never find out who this guy is. We don't know if he was a, you know, he owned the pro, like friends with the guy who owns the property, just didn't like him there, have no idea. But he Hmm. tells them they have to go. And because they do not feel safe in this town, as we have established, they retreat quickly. Okay. Armed with this evidence and information, Maria then calls the damn cops. Good on her. And she calls the Lynn County Sheriff's Department to be precise because that is where everything took place. So she doesn't call her local cops. She's very smart. She's like, no, it's got to be this department from where he was at, you know, this party. And they tell her, wait for it, that she has to wait 48 hours to report him missing. No. And um, we know that's bullshit. But Maria knows it's bullshit, too. Good. And she's like, no, I don't. He's Mm -hmm. gone. He didn't come home. He is missing. Mm -hmm. So fucking good for her. Yep. That is what you do. You don't have to wait. Because the cops are like, he's probably walking down the highway trying to make his way home. Or he was really drunk and he's sleeping it off somewhere behind a tree. He's gonna come out of the woodwork. He just just ran away. Exactly. (laughs) And they're like, no, that's not what he did. And she really made a point of it, which is good. Now, at this point, the timeline gets a little bit blurry. But we know that that evening, Alonzo's brother and a different one of his friends, a friend who later comes forward and says that he saw Alonzo run out of the farmhouse at 4 a.m. He's the only one that we have confirmation on that. But this guy says he saw him run away and he thought that was really weird. So they go out to the actual, like, owner of the house and they speak with him. This guy doesn't live on the property. He lives somewhere else. He just owns it and rents it out. And he tells them that, you know, that's that's my rental property. There were some guys renting it. They're gone now. Okay. So after they speak to the owner, deputies from the Lynn County Sheriff's Department make their way out to the farmhouse to see what they can see. And they think they're going to basically just find him on the side of the road. They're right. like, we're going to drive up there and find him trying to walk somewhere. Or at least that's what they say they think. But instead, they discover that the house is legitimately abandoned. No, Nobody is there at all. Okay. There's no trace of anyone having been there. There's no people that are renting staying there. Nothing. Just empty. That's weird. Super weird, right? That is Mm -hmm. cryptic. It makes me like question if there was even 100 people or 30 people at this party. Or five people. Or five, exactly. Like, was it just some people are like, did they bring him out there to do something to him? Right. But there are a lot of people who say they were at this party. Okay. So I think they got the number from the amount of kids interviewed that said, yeah, I was there. Okay. Not to say there isn't speculation about those Mm -hmm. other branches of these theories, but 
Okay. We can kind of cancel some of that out. So anyway, it's weird that it's all cleaned up, though. Mm-hmm. That's what they find. And in the following days, the Lynn County Sheriff's Office, who is not taking this very seriously, does conduct a cursory search of the area and the creek and states that they have negative contact, which just means that they didn't find Alonzo or talk to him. They tell the family that they're sure he's well, he's going to turn up. Stop. With no shoes and an ankle injury. And he mm-hmm. is walking around. Right. They say to them, you know how kids will just like walk around and try and find mm-hmm. their own way. That's definitely what he's doing. And his yeah. sister was like, no, he's not wearing <laughs> shoes. Mm-hmm. And he hurt himself. He's not walking around for like 48 hours or more. That's not a thing. So after they do their cursory searches, the Lynn County Sheriff's Department turns over the case to the Kansas Bureau of Investigations. And they are much more disturbed by this than the Lynn County Sheriff's. They're like, oh, no, this is this is terrible. And probably racism-based Okay, right away. Great. So they bring out cadaver dogs and helicopters and a search party, and they start doing the business. They Mm -hmm. search the whole area. They do not find anything. Mm -hmm. On April 10th, they loop in the FBI, who also suspect the possibility of a hate crime. Okay. And they bring out their search teams, their dogs, their helicopters. It's a lot. They are looking. They also bring in an aquatic search and rescue team who sends divers into the creek so they, here's how the search goes. They send three divers into the creek to traverse the few miles of stream. And it's only three foot deep. It's like mm-hmm. really shallow. But these guys are still diving through it. Mm-hmm. And then they send teams of three on either side of the creek to look through the brush on the sides. Okay. So it is covered. Mm-hmm. They go through everything and they find nothing. And also, the theory that he went swimming is strange to me because it's a three-foot creek. Right, right. You're not swimming. That was the other thing the police were saying. They're like, he probably went for a swim. No. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, they look everywhere you can. a human being can look, and they find nothing. The search and rescue aquatic guys say, we'll come back if you need us to, but no one ever calls them again. Meanwhile, the police also conduct hundreds of interviews and polygraph tests. So they talk to like hundreds of people that are connected with these, with the, with the partygoers and such. They get tons of accounts. And a lot of people say they gave them names and tips. They're like, this is, we think this is what happened. And those names were never explored. Hmm. Yeah. The family is also instructed to not conduct their own searches as it could get in the way of the professional efforts at this time. Fine. Right. That's pretty normal, right. but you it's don't, still you frustrating. Don't want them to disturb the scene. <laughs> Especially when they're not going down, like, the names being given to them. Exactly. Exploring those. And then a month passes. A month. A month. Oh, my God. On May 1st, Alonzo's family is finally given permission to search the area themselves. They're like, all right, we've done all we can, but if you'd like to go out and have your conduct your own search now, we're fine with you doing that. Mm-hmm. So the family are like, great, let's go. They organize a search party of family members and head out to Lysine, arriving at approximately 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they split up into teams to cover different areas. And one of the first things Alonzo's aunt and uncle notice when they arrive is the absence of an old white shed. When they were first out there, there was an old white shed on the property. And it appeared to have never been searched. They thought, nobody went in this shed. What's in the shed? So as soon as they're given permission to be there, they want to get in that shed. Mm-hmm. But it's gone. Oh. No evidence of it at all. Just totally and completely gone. And I don't blame them. I would have wanted to get in that shed too. Yeah. So then, seeing that they're not going to get into this shed, they head down to the creek bed where they almost immediately find Alonzo's lifeless body. 
What? Half an hour after they got there, they find him right away on an island of branches in the creek. Very, very visible. No way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only 200 meters from the farmhouse where they find him. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, right? That's yeah. wild. And it's not as though the area had not been searched because it definitely had. Yeah, I mean, they had divers. They had divers. They had dogs. Like they cadaver had... dogs would have found him. There yes. was nothing there. They also would have smelled some kind of evidence yes. and, fa- and like just nothing. We still don't know how he got there, but we'll get into theories next week. Alonzo's family is smart and they didn't touch him either. They were like, call the fucking cops. Call the cops. Hands off. Call them. They got to get him. The Lynn County Sheriff's Department come out with the coroner and they collect the body and any other evidence that might have been there, which there was none. Alonzo is then taken to the medical examiner, a man named Dr. Eric Mitchell, who we will talk about a lot next week. Okay. And he performed an autopsy. Initially, what law enforcement was saying is that they thought this was either a suicide or a horrible accident where he ended up falling in the creek and drowning. Okay. Right. Why wasn't he in the creek then? If he fell in the creek and drowned, Mm -hmm. where was he? Here's what the medical examiner found. Alonzo was found wearing two T-shirts and a burgundy button-down, two pairs of boxers. I don't know why he doubled up on so much, but whatever, that's his prerogative. He had on a pair of blue jeans, a silver ring, and two pairs of socks. In his pocket was a wallet containing a $20 bill, two fives and a one, a wad of pay stubs from the place where he worked, a green disposable lighter, five dice, a bandana, his ID, and a membership card to to a Hastings movie theater. All of these items are not um, disintegrated by water either. You can unfold them and look at them. Oh. If you had left a pay stub in the creek for 30 days, it would be pulp. Yeah. It wouldn't be a pay stub you could unfold and read. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... Just a really good wallet. I mean, I, I guess shit goes through the laundry and you can still read it sometimes, but like... It still gets 30 shredded. days? It still gets Sitting shredded. in water? I feel like this stuff would have disintegrated. I mean, anyway... That's just a point they make later, too. The medical examiner says that there are no obvious penetrating wounds on Alonzo's body because his clothing is not damaged. He x-rays the body and finds no bone breaks or damage, and he claims that the soft tissue on Alonzo's neck is gone, so he cannot see if there had been any indication of, like, damage to his neck. Like, this would be evidence of strangulation or something. Now, this point really bothers me because Alonzo's family say that when they found him, he looked as though he might have been sleeping. Like, his color was correct, his facial features were intact, And how is that possible on a body that has completely desiccated soft tissue on the neck? Hmm. That seems strange to me. Yeah. But I'm not a doctor. Further, Dr. Mitchell states that Alonzo's lungs and airways are totally clear. No foreign bodies, not full of water. So if he drowned, how are his airways totally clear? Right. But he does say that the body has suffered some insect and animal damage. And he did come in with maggots on his body, which I hate to talk about. But here's the thing. Maggots can also hold a wealth of information. And anybody who saw the documentary, The Keepers, do you remember that? Yep. When they were like really, they stuck on those maggots for a long time. Yeah. Like anybody who saw that knows this. But these were disposed of immediately. What? Why? Yeah. So any information they once held is gone. Dr. Mitchell declares that Alonzo's death is undetermined. But when asked what he thinks, he says that it's possible Alonzo had drowned further up the creek when the water was low. Then the water level rose and he drifted downstream and caught on this massive brush where he remained when the water level went back down. He claims that Alonzo could have drowned and that he found no evidence of the body, uh, evidence of violence on the body at all. Okay. Yeah. Family and friends, they're not okay with this at all. Nobody is. Clearly, neither is law enforcement because this makes law enforcement look real, real bad. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they immediately say like, no, 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 he was not in that creek. We looked in that creek. He was not there. But the medical examiner sticks to his guns, says he could have easily been there. People miss bodies all the time. Not in areas like that. No. And Middle Creek is not big. It is classified as a stream that leads into the river, as I mentioned before. And if Alonzo's body had not yet reached the river, it meant that, in fact, if he had been out there all that time, he was in one of the places they had searched. So that feels not super possible to me. But law enforcement believes that Alonzo was killed somewhere else and disposed of at a later date, which seems to be way more obviously what happened, but whatever. And basically everybody except the medical examiner agrees with this. The medical examiner really like doubles down. He's like, you could miss him. He could have drowned. They might not have seen him. Why would you do that? Why is that your position on this? Yeah. He also says and makes a point of saying in many interviews that it's that nobody would move a body. It's too hard. It's too hard to move a body. Where you kill them is where you leave them. You never move the body later. What? Who? What? What? People do that all the time. All the How many time. cases have we covered where that happens? Like a million. They're done. Yes. What? What authority are you speaking with that you say that that is something like that can be held up in a court of law? Ugh. And police argue with them. They're like, yes, they could have moved this body. They absolutely could have. The medical examiner also persists that the damage to this body is totally consistent with being in a creek for 30 days. Yeah, that's exactly what he would look like. And everybody else involved is like, is it? A lot of people have questions about that too, but the medical examiner persists. Nope, that's this all checks out. And then years pass. Oh my God, that was it. Yeah, until 2019 when the KBI closes the case due to lack of further evidence. That's so frustrating. Which no one is satisfied with. No. It appears to them that this is nothing more than a horrific accident. They can't find anyone else to say anything. And if nobody comes forward, they have no evidence of anything else, so they close mm-hmm. the case. But the community claims that there are people who know what happened to Alonzo that night, and that he did not just wander off into the woods and drown. Lacine was known amongst residents as an incredibly racist town, a place where Black people were warned not to be out after dark. It's a small town where people protect their own. That phrase is used many places. Mm-hmm. And maybe everyone wasn't as honest as law enforcement made them out to be. Mm. After the episode of Unsolved Mysteries dedicated to Alonzo's case aired on July 1st of 2020, there was a huge surge of renewed interest in his case and lots of new evidence came forward as well as some truly concerning information about that medical examiner. Mm -hmm. But that will have to wait until next week. Oh, man. I know. It's a two-parter. Two-parter. Right. So when we come back next week, we will discuss what is shaping up to be the second investigation of Alonzo's case. They're not super far on it yet, but there is a lot of information. We will also go into like the pockets of the web where locals talk about this case. Okay. Because what they have to say and what has been published about it is different. Okay. And then we'll explore all of the theories of what could have happened to Alonzo that night. Cool. Uh, so and we'll yeah. talk about some history. And too. we do have some some pretty interesting history for next week. Yeah which uh, may change your opinions on on the area in which he was in. Yeah. If you have good ones, I don't know if you do or not. <laughs> but so we will be back next week with the rest of this case. All right. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. 
rate and review our show on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod, and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. My legs can only go as fast as they can. I have little legs. There's a whittle.